you you realize you could reproduce it for yourself. Right. And that right. that's everything. And that has kind of been the mission that I'm on. And by mission, I don't mean that I'm out there handing out pamphlets and things like that, because right. I think that's the fastest way for people to resist it. Um, but just through chance encounters, yeah, when you, you yeah. give off that much light and you're that joyful and you're that at peace, would be the term I use, people yeah. will automatically pick up on it and start conversations with you unrelated to that on mm-hmm. their own because they don't know what it is, but they know they enjoy being in that space, which is there <laughs> for you to be able to extend that invitation. And for me, it has always been one, be kind but to say meaningful things. I mean, not that you don't have a sense of humor. You totally should because oh, you've joy always comes had from a that. sense of humor. Always. Oh, and, and I will forever. But it's yeah. it's just that when you remove that resistance, man, that restriction, mm-hmm. people see your freedom and they want to know how you have it. Yeah, they yeah. just do. And I don't mean freedom that you don't care that you're not connected because there's responsibility. But I mean that they see that you're not struggling with what they're struggling with. You know, yeah, like a man yeah. who's drowning can clearly see people on the shore that aren't drowning. And his only desire at that time is to not drown. And he doesn't mm. care what tool you use to save him if you can keep him from drowning because his only fear is he's struggling and he can't help himself. Mm. Mm. That's it. It's, it's not even that I'm going to die. It's that everything I'm doing right now is amounting to nothing. Mm. And in result, I will die. Because if he knows how to swim with the possibility of death, he won't stop swimming. He'll swim because he knows he can die. So that knowledge of death is there, but he's relying on his skill and his endurance. But the man who's drowning is not thinking about skill or death. He Mm. just knows his efforts aren't amounting to anything. And the Uh, harder he tries, the more he sinks. And and that's 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 the suffering, right? That's what we call the suffering. Yeah, that's the suffering. He he simply wants to not suffer. Welcome to Sun Chasing Success, a podcast for online entrepreneurs, authors, and influencers worldwide. We're here to enhance your quality of life while helping you build location-independent businesses. We connect listeners with guests, insights, and discussions from the sunny coasts of the USA to the crystal blue waters of the Caribbean islands. Fascinating dialogue from the enchanting beaches of Brazil to the majestic shores of Africa. Each week, we deliver specialized knowledge, wisdom, strategies, and tips to enhance your success, freedom, and fun under the sun. Now, here's your host, Bayo Oloronto. Welcome back, everybody. This is Bayo for another episode of Sun Chasing Success. Today, we're going to take it easy a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about mindfulness, getting our holistic uh, house in order. And just, you know, just talk with a good longtime friend of mine. Uh, he's a spiritual brother and companion. Uh, he lives in Jacksonville, Florida. I met him in Clarksville, Tennessee. His name is Joseph Roz Harmon. And uh, we've known each other for about 20 years. So this is going to be a great conversation. And hopefully we can talk about some topics that we've been discussing for, for two decades now about consciousness, spirituality, self-improvement, and just, just being the best that you can be. So without further ado, welcome. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Glad <laughs> to be here. Hey, man. It's an honor to have you. And, and number one, uh, I always got to start with gratitude because it's a beautiful thing to, to know each other for 20 years. And we're both here, still shining, 
because we didn't know what the future would hold 20 years ago nah, we started talking about these things we didn't know if we'd even know each other 20 years later and here we are conversing and we had a chance to talk again in miami was that 2016 15. it's about three years ago it was 2016 so, yeah. yeah yeah so yeah, that yeah, was yeah. beautiful and so but how's everything going with you man like uh life is good man happy just yeah. uh in a in a place of appreciation you know just constant uh, gratitude and gratification like look you know being happy with where I am what I have and um, and by what I have I don't mean necessarily material things I mean I've been able to buy myself some stuff but yeah just I see you got internally the home, not struggling with I'm in my home gym right now and I actually put that together because I started to work from home and it wasn't possible for me to get out on the schedule that I wanted to um, yeah, and I also yeah. wasn't a- able to do some of the things I wanted to do. Like the gym has, you know, this setup to where you can, it has multiple stations of okay. the same thing. So you can, like, if you want to bench, there's like four benches in there, but yeah. uh, sometimes you want to do a variety of, of exercise types and it right. just doesn't allow you to, to hit a circuit like you want. So yeah, yeah. you got the other guy so on can. the gym doing his sets and then you got to yeah. come back. And if you're not there, he steps in and it just kind of stops your routine. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I was able to, to build it home and I'm thankful for that. But the gratification I was talking about is just kind of getting into this internal place to where you're just at peace, man. Like a, a different kind of peace that, yeah. that just takes over everything and, and it becomes the most important thing you have, you know, and <laughs> you, you yeah. just rest in that spot and that, that's a beautiful thing man and, and when i talked about you in, in one of my other episodes i remember uh when i met you it was like 2001 i had just left vanderbilt i was struggling in, in what i was going to do with my life what i was going to i was literally like sleeping till the afternoon every day and i remember circling this little ad in the the convergence uh advertisement for working in this call center and just going in there and having a training class and just sitting there and you were asking us about stuff and, and just meeting you. And uh, it's just amazing that you've always had that same energy. And one of the biggest things that, that we discovered and talked about was the, the practice of meditation. So I wanna talk about that today, man, and just, just let people tap into some of this, this uh, energy that we've shared for so many years, even since the, the first moments that you discovered uh, doing that for yourself. Let's talk about that and then how we met and then go into the meditation and stuff. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> if I'm honest, yeah, uh, that all started for me when I was like seven years old, but I was chasing the myth. You know, I was oh, too, real? Okay. too young. Yeah, too young to know the difference between uh, reality and film and, and legend and myth. And I was always on this thing of when people would say, that's not possible. Well, how do you know? You know, mm-hmm. that was always my answer. So I started in martial arts. I still practice martial arts to this day, but that was my, the start of my journey, but it was watching Kung Fu theater, you know, gotcha. watching Bruce Lee uh, on the silver screen. Cause at that time um, before VHS, you know, you had to go to the theater to see that stuff. So my yeah. uncles would take me there and I watched one man just destroy an army of men. Okay. And even though he was, he was fighting furiously and there was some anger in there, he was still humble and reciting like quotes and wisdom and, and it was humble at certain points. And I, I wanted to be that. Wow. So I was like, well, what do I need to do to do that? <laughs> so I had other things to look at that inspired me, but it was, it was seeing him on film. Now, what I mean by the myth and the legend is, you know, glowing, like your whole yeah. body just emitting an immense light that's like, visible like to other Bruce people, Leroy. even in the dark. 
Like Bruce Leroy. Yeah, like Bruce Leroy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, jumping in the air and flying. Because I would go out in the park and play with my friends, and we would try to recreate those things. In my quiet time, when I was by myself, I was still a, a, a kid, so I did kid things. Yeah. But in those moments where I didn't have video games, because they didn't really have them yet, or they weren't on such a, a global scale, I just spent time trying to recreate the glow, man. Like how deep inside of myself do I need to walk to unlock that? What is this mystery? What is this potential? Mm. Who are these people they keep quoting and talking about? And so what are they seeking? You know, and mm-hmm. I just, that was, that was the start of it for me. So that's, that's where it all came from. And it literally has been my entire life and I don't know how to be anything else, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, other that's than what, that. That's what's deep so. about it because I had a certain sense of that as well. Um, it was just kind of like being alone a lot, having that imagination, reading a lot, and just seeing different things. I think for me, the athletic uh, part was the soccer, you know, football, watching the heroes and sports and everything. And I think when we met, it's kind of like, it's like two kindred spirits that, that have known oh, that definitely. they've always had that deeper kind of thinking and stuff. Absolutely. And <laughs> now you were, what state were you born in? And then you ended up like in California. And then- so my father was military. So that's right, how all that started. Right, right. And that's why I traveled so much. So I was born in Beaumont, Texas, you know, down at the swamp, right, right at right. the Texas, Louisiana border. Uh, and to this day, like that's just that it was one of the rice capitals of the United States. You know, but so few people know about it because times have moved on and we're Uh agriculture and all that stuff comes from overseas now. And it's just less of the identity in that. But there's not a lot of wealth there. There's wealthy people there, but not a lot of wealth. Mm -hmm. Um, My father understanding that in order for his marriage to my mother to work out and to provide for his son, they needed to do something different. He, he joined the military and uh, I'm thankful for that. I wasn't old enough to remember that move and all those things, but you know, I look at photos and there's flashes in my mind about those events. But from there we, we moved a lot. We went overseas to Europe a few times. Um, So you had had the majority of my life in Cali. Yeah. 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 And then, and then I, we moved to when, they closed the military base that we were at in California, which is what moved us to Tennessee, oh, which where? started the steps for you and I to one day meet. You <laughs> yeah, because so. my mother was working at the base there in Clarksville, Tennessee. She happened to be there. And then I came around when I was in college, you know, so. Right. Well, actually, I had spent some time there when I was 14, when she first moved there. And there was a few people that I met that eventually later that I ran into and then knew through you, but I didn't actually meet you until I came back after having been in college for a little while. But I right, think yeah, another- it was a small place. So eventually we all know the same people, yeah, but yeah, yeah. But our chance meeting just happened to be that I think you and I both made some conscious decisions unconsciously right. uh, that brought us together. Yeah. So. And another thing, another thing, I was seven years old, man, was the first time I heard hip hop, the Fat Boys tape, 1987. And that became also a part of my uh, visions of what a superhero is. This ability to to speak supernaturally. And so that was a big part of my kind of like imagination and spiritual quest too. Now you were an all-out b-boy as well, right, in Cali? I was. I was, and public speaker and poet and all that. But everything you just hit on, man, it's the same route. I think 
what we undervalue is the power of words. When there was a time period before that television period, and radio yeah. where word was everything you had. I mean, it was, it was literally thought without sound. It was words without sounds. It was picture without eyes. It was ears mm. without hearing sound. Again, it just kept coming back to that. So word was everything. And then ultimately words is just mathematics because mm. it's the formula that equals the outcome. So being an MC meant learning that discipline to understand, becoming that yeah. scientist and that physicist to know what chemical combination <laughs> formulated or resulted, right, in, in what you wanted it to. What, yeah, yeah, the vibration, that's perfect. It could have been you were creating light through the story. You were creating darkness through the, you know, the, 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 through the experience that you had. But you could, you could time travel with that if you knew the math. And, that's and it, I man. was in love. I was in love with hip hop for that reason, man. Like now, I, now you were. Did you also you were artistic as well, like with the graffiti and physically? Yeah, yeah, I did graffiti. Bit? I did. I did basic art too. Like you know, I say basic art, and forgive me for that. But I just meant what most people think about it, like drawing on paper okay, and yeah, color yeah, pencils yeah. and markers and paint and and crafting. So I used my hands to do it too. It's just another form of expression. Um, but graffiti art was a way to take. To, to create the form of what I was thinking also with words. Yeah. So I could rap it, mm-hmm. but I could also see it, you know, like I could bring it out and other people would get it and evaluate it for the same reason. Like mm-hmm. they wouldn't just say, Oh, that's, what does that say? They would say, look at those curves and look at that color. And I love the light. And this says this, and this is really profound. And we would say things like dope, you know, that's dope. And, Fly, and, fresh, and, yeah. yeah. And all those things. But it was, it was more than just the fact that you put something on paper. It was that they could, they could relate to it. They could connect to it instantly. So. Right. So doing all of this, I know that when I was younger, I had these perceptions and these kind of like insights and visions and different things. Um, but I, I guess, you know, the actual, I grew up more in a Christian household, you know, so there was always same. the Bible and things like yeah, that, same. And different, different rules and stuff. Um, I don't think I really encountered the meditation until really, I would have to be fair and say you, aside from just hearing about it. Like, actually, I'd heard about it. Like, when I was going into college, I'd heard about it and stuff, but it was just some Eastern philosophy thing. But it didn't become it didn't become real in my life until we started training. We started doing some martial arts. We were doing some of the spoken word stuff and all of that. That's when I was like, okay, wow, like this is changing my mind. This is helping me open my mind. And where for you, where did it where did it lock in the meditation? Like, okay, I have these visions, these spiritualities, but how did it get to that point where where the, the rubber met the road? Uh-oh, I think you're frozen. Oh, I think a lot of... Oh, I hope it wasn't a bad freeze with my mouth no, open. <laughs> no, no. You can, yeah, it, it's, I'll probably pick it up. It's okay. Okay. Um, for me, it was a lot of trial and error. Um, and what I mean by that is, like, you think you know what meditation is. And it was me just copying what I saw in pictures. Um mm-hmm what I saw in movies again, because I didn't have connection to a teacher at that time. Um, my studies were kind of incomplete and the books, which are so available now mm. were not as available then. True. So you didn't have anybody breaking it down in your language. And by that, I mean, plain terms. So they were always 
yeah. translations of these of these mystic books, but those were people talking in the terms of their day. So I was still left to the interpretation of the person that was writing it. So my experience was still kind of secondhand. It wasn't my own. Mm. Um, what I came to, though, and I always kind of go back to the Buddha, was that he, he went through the same thing of going through other people's experience. It wasn't reaching what he was looking for. So for me, it was the same way where I was trying other methods, listening to other speakers and trying to grasp at what they were saying and, and get to that place I felt like I was climbing and I just kept falling short. Not because their methods weren't useful. They were because they took me further than I had been before, but they just weren't getting me to that point, to that place that I felt like I, I was still yearning to reach. And no longer the myth, it was the calling. Like I felt as though I was still unanswered. Got you. So, yeah, you know, yeah. like, like I haven't picked up the phone for that calling yet. Like the hero's you know? quest, like that circle. Like the, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, and it's, it's like you're, you've come, you've started on this path, but that's, that's landed at the yeah. source of the voice, you know, like the yeah. voice by that. I mean, it, it, it tells you, yeah, you're here. Mm-hmm. And mine was still not yet. Nope, still not there. Nope, this is mm-hmm. still not working. So it's like, it's like hearing a noise in the background and walking through your house trying to locate that sound so you can make it stop. And it was yeah. exactly that. So I was coming to all these different points where I can tell I was getting closer. But when now, all was said and done, that sound was still there. So I had to keep moving. So where were you at in around the age of 18 to 21? Was that in Clarksville yet? Or? Uh, no, I, so I moved there when I was 19. So yeah, but I think when I met you, I was in my... 26? mid 20s early mid 20s yeah 25 yeah, i was like turning yeah. 21 something like that yeah yeah, yeah. It, was, it, was, it was a beautiful time man because you had just seen over the the ledge a little bit to be able to tell me somebody like five years younger like hey man like you might want to look into this or that you know yeah was, i remember asking you though hey what does your name mean <laughs> you know and you gave me the meaning of your name and i'm like that's pretty deep what are you doing with that and yeah. the look on your face was like, what do you mean? What am I doing with that? And I'm like, well, your name has purpose, man. Like, yeah. what are you doing with that? I remember that conversation vividly. Yeah, we um, had some great lunches back then, man. We did, we man. Yeah, sit yeah, down, yeah. chop it up over Chinese food, you mm-hmm. know, talking about stuff, man. And, Sitting on the water, too. That was always yeah. really serene, man. I, I miss those. Yeah, so it's like, okay, so then around that time, you were in Clarksville. And yeah. I know that a lot of us as young black men in the United States we grew up with seeing Malcolm X, seeing Farrakhan, seeing Dr. Martin Luther King, Civil Rights Movement, all these movies by Spike Lee. I know that you were in a hip hop group at the, uh, you know, before that time as well. How did that consciousness transition from, okay, you know, 5% is Nation of Islam, all of the, the black Hebrew Israelites, Zulu Nation, because I remember we- Lords of the Science Temple, all of that, yeah. This is, and, and one of the things that we built our friendship on was like, yo, man, like, you know, you know about that? Because I had a lot of curiosities listening to all this hip hop, and I wasn't uh, from a big city like New York and all that at the time. So I, I wasn't encountering people who had the answers to my questions about both the books and the hip hop. Right. And we kind of converged in this kind of like intersection of all of this stuff. Cause I was listening to the personal development. Like I had the Tony Robbins, I had the Deepak Chopra, but it was like, it didn't, con- it was like hip hop was over here and then that stuff was over here. And with you, it seemed like that we made that kind of intersection, like, boom, this is all of this. So how did that transform for you? You know, coming from being a performer to 
reading all the books and then getting in more to the meditation. So, so my, my journey started before that, like hip hop was still early when I was growing up. Um, mm -hmm. there, were, there were conscious rappers, but they were mostly from the East coast. Uh, mm -hmm. Being in the West Coast, I, I had access to it, but it was more limited because clearly you're going to listen to what's more available to you. Right. Um, so I, I heard them. I preferred them in some instances, just depending on what they were talking about. I also think they were more melodic and it wasn't all uh, West Coast gangster based because where I lived, it was about who's yeah, yeah, is the strongest and who's <laughs> most like in WA because they had yeah, just Ice come Cube, out like yeah. cassette tape era. Yeah. So uh, and I loved it. I love that music. Yeah. But but every time I heard something where somebody dropped a gem, it just turned my head turned to that. Up. And yeah, I wanted more yeah. of that. Um, so I did. But. But we would have open discussions like at lunch break in high school about what okay. Malcolm X said, you know, and okay. and who was who was Martin Luther King. And we would we would have these conversations. And but it was but we didn't have access. Like so whoever was leading that discussion was the one that did the most research. Mm. And I, I, I was glad to be there, but I just didn't have a lot to contribute. Okay. And that drove me nuts. It drove can, me nuts. Because, and that's hard for me to imagine, right? Because yeah. you had so much to contribute when I met you. By you the time I met you, by yeah. the time I met you, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't combat anything they said. Right. I couldn't, I couldn't validate what they said. All I knew was what it, it was black information and I needed to know it. And it was history and it's eat it up. So I didn't know misinformation. Right. I didn't know good. It was just all the same to me. And where I was thankful to be in that time and place the fact that I couldn't contribute in that discussion drove me nuts because my whole walk at this time was inner path and, you know, the glow and, and punching right. through brick walls and walking it alone. And that's all I had. And they weren't talking about that. So I was like, Ugh, you know, sitting there with this interesting this yeah. empty box. So, that, so it's probably a little more political, more social than, than spiritual. Yeah, well, so my, I was kind of like a, a lone wolf in that aspect of a lot of my friends weren't doing that. They were cool to go along with the times, but they weren't uh -huh. searching where I was searching. So, the, so the, the only real form of social intellect stimulation I was getting was from those conversations. Gotcha. And because I couldn't add to it, I had no choice but to listen. And I was gotcha. filling up my cup, but it also transformed me for a little bit. And I reached this stage where there was this anger, anger. you know, this awakening to... Yeah, we awakening to, to, to the anger and misplacing that anger. I wasn't angry like I hate everybody. I was more angry like, how come they never told us this? They're lying to us. Mm -hmm. They're keeping it from us. And I won't let you suppress that in me anymore. You know, so I wanted to just yeah, rebel yeah. against the system, which I think is a natural stage. Yeah, we're seeing uh, some people was, go through that right now. As adults right now. Right. Yeah. And we would have uh, hoped that a lot of people would have gotten this. And we tried our best over the last two decades to share stuff. To share. Yeah, which is kind I mean, of the point I was telling you about earlier, yeah. which is bringing enlightenment out of just basic and profound statements, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, and not just for our people, if you will, but for all people by saying right, things that are, yeah. yeah, that are so blatantly obvious <laughs> that if you pause for a moment, the wisdom is overwhelming, yeah, you know, yeah. like it just, it's, it's far reaching and it, it right. shines on everything, you know, mm -hmm. and that's been like a, an emphasis in my life at this point because of where I was before and I'm seeing people there now, mm -hmm. you know, and I feel like mm -hmm. I have something to add to that conversation. So, yeah. So, so then once you got, uh, once you got kind of like out in, well, I guess more into Clarksville then, 
you you started uh, seeing differences in the application of being an artist because you were a spoken word artist for a while. You were touring, yeah. doing different things. I guess you also were trying to come to grips with that superpower and the spiritual side of all these things. I guess maybe you had life lessons and things that played out before we met that caused you to kind of like go deeper. What was that like? Yeah, I had a, I mean, like, so being human, man, being a young man and, you know, yeah. being popular at the time, I made a lot of bad decisions, yeah. um, made a lot of good ones too, but it, it puts you in an environment where, you know, when you're shining, you attract things to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was, I was fortunate enough to attract the attention of some people who had walked before me mm-hmm. uh, and had spiritual realization and conscious, social conscious uh, realizations that I hadn't, I hadn't come to yet. Uh, and they were able to impart that to me. And at this point in my life, in my mid twenties, I was trying to shed being younger, embrace <laughs> being older, wiser, more adult is what I'm saying. Trying to yeah. step over that side of letting those things go. Yeah. Um, that I was, I was fortunate, man, to, to experience it where I did. And so that was in, most of that came from Nashville, Tennessee, where wow. I would perform most of the time. And when I left California and heard I was going to Tennessee, man, I was heartbroken because it was like I knew California and other places on the map, but yeah. it was the epicenter of the world for me. So they I'm going the to scene. a place. They, those, yeah, those yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. And, and access and access. And I'm going to this place where I'm going to give all of that up. Now, keep in mind, that was a teenage Roz, you know, thinking yeah, like that. So, so the access and the scene I was thinking about was the hip hop scene, was the diversity of, of people and cultures. And so when I considered moving, that's all I thought I was losing. And I did not see a gain in any of it. <laughs> and that's almost a little bit opposite of me because, because I grew up in pretty much Alabama, Virginia, and then back and forth with Tennessee, I always wanted air to breathe and to get out toward that scene. Yeah. But it was more like me. I kind of just because of school or choices with college expenses and various situations kept getting pulled back into this mundane world of Tennessee and this, the middle America's type stuff. So that's what was keeping, that was what was where I was at the low vibration because I felt so like bad that I hadn't gone out and, and done some of those things in the bigger States like New York or California and stuff. Right. So, so when I met you, it was kind of like, this sucks. I'm getting a little job here at a call center, you know, and I'm probably not going to make a lot of money. I'm probably going to work here all summer. And then what am I going to do? Go to this little state college? You know, I didn't even value the college there, Austin P. But then I walk into class and you were like smiling and happy. And <laughs> right, I'm like, how yeah. is this dude happy here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and, oh, well, and I that, mean- that was, and for me, bro, for real, like heart to heart, that was, it was your joy that stood out the most of anything. You had knowledge, you had skills, martial arts, poetry was crazy. You had the recording, all that stuff done, but it was the, it was the happiness. It was the, the joy that you had naturally doing a regular job day to day. And I'm telling you, man, I was 21 years old and I said, this is the activation, this is the actualization of what I've been reading about. I've been reading about people who are able to control their emotional state or to stay calm and cool under pressure, or to uh, develop themselves into 
these things. And it was like, that was there. And so that's kind of how we met, man. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what was the biggest eye opener for me. So what, so I remember you said, uh, Nashville, I was coming from Vanderbilt, which I had seen things in Vanderbilt and, and, and Tennessee state, but you told me about a bookstore later that ironically I had never been to. So in at Vanderbilt, I would look for like mentors and people like that. There was like the Black Student Center. There was all these places. And I was, I was struggling, you know, with school, with social pressures, with finances. And nobody was pointing me to the knowledge of self, as we say, to that true, deeper education that would empower somebody of African descent to activate all of these things, right? So then when I met you, you told me about this bookstore. Was it at Cubalon? Alkibalon, yeah, Alkibalon, yeah. Is it even yeah. there anymore? You know, if it's even I there? don't know. I haven't been back, but I would yeah. say it was my mecca every time I went to Nashville. Like that was the right. first place I would go. Um, it, it was nothing like it for me. Like I, Man. I had seen bookstores in Oakland, which were similar to that, but they yeah. were in a mall. Uh, and yeah. you know, so when you're out there shopping for clothes and stuff, you come across this bookstore. It looked more like a novelty piece because they had a lot of the art of, you know, the uh, yeah, uh, crafts artifacts, and stuff that were yeah. there. Yeah, but I, it didn't really allow me to spend a lot of time. I used to love to go in there. Smelled great. I used to get my oils and stuff. Yeah, the oils. I never, I, yeah, and I, and I touched at the books, um, but I never, I never, like, purchased <laughs> one. It wasn't something you were to bring in the house. My parents had no problem with me looking at Black Belt Magazine, you know, Kung Fu Magazine, uh, even books on Africa. But when you talk about books on spirituality and stuff, then, mm -hmm. it, then we were getting into a different realm. Uh, things became a little more sensitive, even conversations with the parents. They weren't against it, but it was kind of like, hey, son, be careful, because now you're walking into that world that is a way from Christ, and we may not be able to protect you when your salvation is over here. Right. So I, so I glimpsed it. I respected it madly. I just never touched it. So when I got to Nashville, and I'm an adult now living on my own, and I found this bookstore, and there was nobody in my ear. Mm. Oh, man. And I just started in. to, I, I, I fell in love with it. So, it, but, but keep in mind, too, where even that journey changed. So at first it started off with, let me, let me just drink as much Africa as I can. I just need right, to learn right. everything about Africa as I can. And I, and I did, and I'm thankful yeah. forever grateful for that because it gave me an identity that I wouldn't have had any other way. Exactly. So even though I'm an African clearing in, uh, up the you know, miseducation, a, right? Yeah. Had. So it was cleaning up yeah. a lot of that. So even though I'm a black man in America and I'm considered different than an African, I still got it. I understand mm -hmm. why I'm looked at that way. And there was all this, these other pieces that were filled in, but what happened in that, was, a, was also the need to go above a ethnic group or an ethnic identity into a self-realization, which I found took me right back to the studies I had began to begin with and just right, like catapulted yeah. me any, even further because now I was able to make connections from other learnings from other places and saw that all of the wise men in the world were after the same thing, mm. you know? And, and hence that though, came my joy because I was able to let go of some baggage that I had acquired yeah, over time, yeah. you know, and when you're not carrying anything, you're releasing, you're releasing, releasing stress. How can you not be happy for that? You know, right, so you just, right. you just become more and more free because yeah. there's less blocking your freedom. Right. So. And it's, it's that, I think that there's a lot of people that come from the public educational system 
but then when they discover the miseducation and these type of books and things like that, it's kind of like there's all these different avenues that people go or can go. Can right. Go. And, and I thought what was really interesting about you was I was I, I had the same caution as well, because it's like, OK, like because I remember trying to check out books at the Vanderbilt uh, University Library about racism, but it was like this scholarly stuff and it wasn't pointing me anywhere. It was just to me, it was like people talking in circles about racism. So I didn't get any fulfillment out of it. Right. right then right. we started talking and things like that. And you had built at your house in, in Clarksville a, a bookshelf from a lot of those books, right? So I kind of got the taste of a Kibalon like in your house. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, we should, <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we should oh, throw, throw the books down on the, on the, on the uh, dining room table. But what was beautiful about that, because you had already combined some of the spiritual things and we had the martial arts and the meditation, it synthesized differently in me. So it wasn't like I, I went through the militancy and the anger as well, but then it was like we'd be meditating the next weekend, you know? So it'd be like, damn, why am I angry? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, where do I place <laughs> this? What do I, what do I do with this thing I've held on to for yeah, so long? Yeah. So in, in a yeah. lot of ways, you helped iterate a better version of the information for me by your, your um, you haven't gone down the road a little more spiritually and diving into it. And it was able for me to buffer it a little bit better. And I think digest it and kind of integrate within myself what to do with it, right? And I've never gone on any type of uh, extremism since that time. And I think it's largely because we were doing, we were reading about African studies, which was vital and important. We were reading about like the Tao Te Ching, which was huge at the time. And then there was the meditation and the physical training. Like we were doing physical training. So it was like- The embodiment of all that, yeah. yeah. So when you sweat and you're tired, you're like, okay, what is this after this aggression? Right. That's me, it's I'm existing, I'm at peace. <laughs> so once you know you can create that peace for yourself, you stop having to chase for it in other places. And then, okay, then Boom. it's like, okay, well, I'm still going to do other things, but I'm just going to do it because I just want to see what happens when I do X, Y, Z. When I do it, exactly. But Not what you just said, yeah. man, was you, you realized you could reproduce it for yourself. Right. And that, right. that's everything. And that has kind of been the mission that I'm on. And by mission, I don't mean that I'm out there handing out pamphlets and things like that, because right. I think that's the fastest way for people to resist it. Um, gotcha. But gotcha. just through chance encounters, yeah, when you, you yeah. give off that much light and you're that joyful and you're that at peace, would be the term I use, people yeah. will automatically pick up on it and start conversations with you unrelated to that on mm -hmm. their own because they don't know what it is, but they know they enjoy being in that space, which is there <laughs> for you to be able to extend that invitation. And for me, it has always been one, be kind but to say meaningful things. I mean, not that you don't have a sense of humor. You totally should because oh, you've joy always comes had from a that. sense of humor. Always. Oh, and, and I will forever. But it's, yeah. it's just that when you remove that resistance, man, that restriction, mm -hmm. people see your freedom and they want to know how you have it. Yeah. They yeah. just do. And I don't mean freedom that you don't care, that you're not connected because there's responsibility. But I mean that they see that you're not struggling with what they're struggling with. You know, yeah, like a man yeah. who's drowning can clearly see people on the shore that aren't drowning. And his only desire at that time is to not drown. Yeah. 
And he doesn't care what tool you use to save him if you can keep him from drowning because his only fear is he's struggling and he can't help himself. Mm, mm. That's it. It's, it's not even that I'm going to die. It's that everything I'm doing right now is amounting to nothing. Mm. And in result, I will die. Because if he right. knows how to swim with the possibility of death, he won't stop swimming. He'll yeah, swim yeah. because he knows he can die. So that knowledge of death is there, but he's relying on his skill and his endurance. But the man who's drowning is not thinking about skill or death. He just knows his efforts aren't amounting to anything. And the uh, harder he tries, the more he sinks. And, and that's, that's, that's the suffering, of, right? That's what we call that's the suffering. Yeah. That's right. the suffering. He, he simply wants to not suffer. Mm. Not, he's not thinking about not dying. He's not even fearing death. He wants that fear uh, of suffering to yeah. end. And so he's looking at the people crying or well, if he can, if he can yell, but he's, he's looking in desperation to get out of his situation. Mm. And your happiness, believe it or not, is that, man. Like, people, mm. they say, how can I have that? Like, what has this guy got that Yeah, is it a million, like, they think, is it a million dollars? Yeah. What, is it can all I get the some? power exactly. that you can dream of? Is it being famous? Is it having yeah. all the women in the world? Or well, and we know men? it's not. We know right? it's not because we see people with those clothes, things that are still suffering. The yeah, cars, yeah, yeah. The jewelry. It's just that. <laughs> it's that internal peace, man. We see yeah. people constantly out there. Yeah. We read about them. They're right. suffering. We holy people, you know, mm -hmm. getting caught up in these scams and schemes because they didn't find the thing. They have the title, all the spiritual materialism they wanted. Yeah, they had yeah. the title. They don't have that internal peace. They have answers, but a lot of people get really good at answering in a way that satisfies themselves, but has nothing to do with truth. Mm. you know has absolutely nothing to do with truth but people who truly possess it yeah their answers are different one really simple surprisingly simple <laughs> and two they're they're not they're not trying to impress people with titles you yeah. know yeah. they're they're just they're just holding on to it yeah there's you know? there's a couple of key things i remember when you talk about saying meaningful things there was a couple of things that that stayed with me forever that you said back then one was uh Everything changed when I changed my definitions of success. That was one. And even with this, Sun Chasing Success, I try to remind people when I say success, I'm talking about a process of me setting to do something and then doing it. Right. <laughs> and then doing something else and doing it. So there's a succession of processes that amount to whatever they amount to. Like it's nature. a formula, man. It's right. a formula. You know, that, that, a formula that building to wealth. Because it yeah, used to I mean, be, I'm, I, before I met you, it was like, okay, success is the college degree. Yeah, $100,000 a year. Got to get a house, got to get a car, got to travel. You know what I mean? So it was like when I started adjusting that, it wasn't perfect at the time when, uh, when, when we were talking about that, but it did sink in and it became a part of my questioning. What do I consider success to be? What is success for me? What should That's I consider? It. You know what I mean? And that stayed with me. Another phrase that stayed, well, you were going to say something. Go ahead before we- No, no, I was, I was just going to elaborate on that, but go ahead, please. Keep going. I was going to say another phrase was, uh, I remember asking you one night, I think we were like making some dinner or something like that. And uh, I was like, man, like, uh, how can we make a difference? Like, because it seemed like learning all this stuff, you feel like, whoa, like, it's just me against the world, you know, like a right, Tupac yeah. thing, right? And you were like, Everybody can't change the world, 
but anybody can make a difference one person at a time, you know? And, you know, to try to change the world is whatever, right? What does that mean? Right. But it truly means something to actually take the time with somebody to make a friend, to share a book, to share information, to talk with somebody, understand them. You know what I mean? And that can change. And look where we are now and all the people that, that you've met and to lives you've touched, the people I've met and lives I've touched since then. And it might have been something simple I said to somebody along the way that I don't even know. It could have been yes. something I wrote. But we don't do it with the consciousness of expecting that particular anything to just do something meaningful, man, and make a difference one person at a time. Yeah, and, and, and meaningful can yeah. meaningful just for, for your audience mm-hmm. can be just as simple as being a good person. Yeah. That's yeah, it. Yeah, just yeah, refining yeah, yeah. yourself is meaningful. I don't think anybody can undervalue how how important making your life simpler for you is Mm -hmm. because if i'm less conflicted i'm automatically going to bring that experience to you if i'm full of confliction i'm going to bring that experience Mm. to you see what i'm saying so so i i owe it to you and myself to be Mm. the best me i can't be be the best me i can and that's automatically going to change everything about it trust me food tastes different when you're angry than it does when you're not angry is it still (laughs) the same food it is but it tastes different according to the person you are at the time that you consume it so we're consuming life mm. and life mm. is better when you're not carrying all that BS with you than mm. life. It could be if you are. So just naturally you make a, a change in the world because more of your inspiration is going to come from a freed mind than an enslaved mind ever will. Right. Ever will. So yeah. I can be in a room of a hundred people and if I'm not contributing, I don't matter. If I'm just as angry as all of them and I'm not using my anger to stop being angry, it doesn't matter. If all I'm doing is growing the anger that's in that room, it's just a powder keg, man. Like I'm not, I'm not yeah. doing anything. But if I'm so angry, I help us find a way out. Then that, the anger was my vehicle, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so that's my whole thing is, but that comes from awareness. That comes from consciousness. That comes mm-hmm. from understanding how important this, that, that tool can be. You know, mm-hmm. or even using happiness as the tool. I'm angry and I'm working on not being angry. Not I'm angry and I'm trying to justify my anger. I mm-hmm. want to get past the And that's, there's a difference in that. Um, and it doesn't mean that you don't need to express that you're angry, but your expression needs to be that I'm expressing this in whatever means or format, median, so I can stop being mm-hmm. angry. You know, because my, my yeah. life doesn't start there. That's, a, that's an experience in my life. Yeah. And I'm yeah. past that experience. I don't live there. You are so, a being having these emotions. That not the are emotion waves. trapped in a being. Right, right. You are not the emotion. Right. You are experiencing right. these things. Now, let's talk about that because, okay, people hear about meditation. And right now, man, if, if, any, if, if there is anything I could pray for in the world right now, <laughs> man, it would be right. like everybody in the world. If, if, it, if the whole world could hear this, I would say everybody in the world, if you could just go sit down for 10, 20, 30 minutes in a dark room and allow yourself to be with just sit still with silence and not move, just do that. Don't expect anything from it. Just do it. Set a timer or something, right? How can people begin to value that and continue it for one year, five years, 10 years, 20 years? Is it something like that exercise curve where after doing it, 
three or four times and learning what to experience from it or what to expect from it. They just get on that, that connection. I'm not perfect. I don't meditate every single day, but I know it's there for me always, all, always, always, always as a tool that I can use. How can we get people to understand that, bro? So I, I think first thing, the last thing you just said about you don't meditate every day. I, I think you do. I just ah. <laughs> think that the form of meditation, I think Probably. it changes. Okay. Okay. It, it doesn't always look the same. That's it's kind of like saying you don't eat every okay. day. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You don't eat every day. You do, but it may this. not always be in a bowl. How about mindfulness? I'm mindful. I'm. Okay, I, yeah. I know I'm mindful, You're mindful every, every day. day. I know that every know day. That. Every but day. But that's I'm a meditation, scared. though. Okay, got that's you. a meditation because there's a there's a moment when there's no other thought but the one you're having and you're aware of it and you're trying to expand on it. Mm. So what meditation is essentially is finding the quiet in us and expanding that quietness. Mm. So when you're mindful, you're using tools, methods, techniques mm -hmm. to get there. Um, if people want to start meditating, the first thing to do is to let go of the image of meditation. And mm. I think that is what strangles okay. people more than anything. And as one who challenged and chased the myth, I, I can attest to that entirely that your image of meditation will totally destroy what real meditation is. Oh, so you have yeah. to get rid of that. And the best way to do, and I think you just said it, was sit there and don't expect anything from it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is the catalyst, man, uh, uh, the foundation <laughs> of what it means. Now, are there mantra? Can you use tools, resources to help you? You can. Yeah. Uh, and can we should never believe app? that those aren't useful. <laughs> like LeBron James? You can, can use, use an app. I mean, that's a, that's a tool. <laughs> yeah, you can, <laughs> you, can, you can use an app. But essentially, essentially, anyone who's never meditated should start off in very small increments. Right. Just right. to struggle through why it's considered a discipline. And mm. I mean by one minute. Wow, For okay. one minute, sit in a chair on the ground, if you want, in total silence, and let your brain be your brain. And that mm. means anywhere that thought goes, you take the leash off and let it go. Mm. That doesn't mean that you're not aware of the thoughts. That means you just don't invest in it. So if I'm sitting here thinking, what's for lunch, rather than going, you know what? I don't know. I haven't eaten yet. I have a good taste. That's following that. But if I go, what's for lunch? And just let it be what's for lunch. Never answer the question. Just let mm -hmm. it be. And then when the next thing pops up, you know what? You haven't done this in a while. Haven't done it in a while. You haven't talked to bio in a couple of days. <laughs> haven't talked about just don't interrupt. Right. And what happens right. is you'll see that your brain doesn't stick to anything. It'll go mm. from place to place. It'll just kind of ping erratically, mm. but it doesn't have any sticking point. And that's because you're consciously not following it. And the reason we're so erratic and can't meditate is because we follow those thoughts. Mm -hmm. As you practice, you, you, you take that one minute and you extend it incrementally by whatever increments you want. But I would say go from one minute to three, from three to five, mm -hmm. from five to 10, and just kind of extend it that way over time as you get better. And what will happen is you'll find that the thoughts still occur, mm. but there becomes a gap in between thoughts, like the time period between the next thought is further in between. And the desire, need to chase that thought somewhere becomes smaller. Smaller and smaller. And now you can hear your original mind come to surface. And what I mean by that is when you're done, you realize that there was this 
gap in between thoughts where you were just there but nowhere at the same time. There was no mm-hmm. feeling of being rushed. There was no desire to chase it. You were just existing and it felt peaceful. There's no struggle in the body and in the mind. And before you know it, you're meditating. That is what mm-hmm. meditation is. And then you, you have also identified that you're able to do it, which is the biggest thing because there's success in that. Yes. And now the challenge is how far into it can I go? And, and you, just, you just pursue that desire, and I hate that word, that, that longingness to sit in that quietude, that space where there's no conflict. You yeah. know? And that's hard for people because they're like, what do you mean do nothing? You know, why, why would I sit and do nothing? Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Want a free guide to secrets of success under the sun? Visit onorunbooks.com success and subscribe to our email list to have it delivered right to your email inbox. Now back to the show. And I do something all the time. Yeah, exactly. You know? And I think that one of the reasons why, from my understanding, when I've told people about meditation, as even working as a personal trainer, different clients, just all over right. the place, all kinds of people. The biggest thing that I, that I see that people don't understand is that whenever you enter into this solitude or this stillness or you sit down or whatever, don't look at it like this is the entryway door to peace and enlightenment and yada, yada, yada. Because with that expectation, what happens is the actual emotions of your life start to bubble up and that's not comfortable. Right. Your, your, your physical body may feel uncomfortable. And that was the biggest thing I learned from, from practicing is that you're, you're, you, know, you, you are doing this because it's going to make you just uncomfortable. And you're learning yeah, to yeah. resist Get the discomfort. Get comfortable in being uncomfortable, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. There was like a book exactly. with that title, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like you're, you're learning how to deal with the discomfort of your own mind and the craziness and the emotions and the fluctuations. This is why most people don't do it or right. don't do it for very long. And they, is, but they deny it and they say, oh, well, I just... They're of that. Yeah, they don't... They, it's hard for people to admit that that's the reason why or they don't understand that that's the reason why they're not doing it because they feel that it's going to lead to pain. Yeah. That, that goes back to the human behavior aspect of it. We tend to chase things that seem to be comfortable or pleasant immediately, which is, you know, they've tapped into that with the apps and the social media and all of that. Yeah. But, you know, people resist and say, oh, well, I don't have time to meditate or, you know, I don't like to meditate versus you or I, maybe if we don't actually sit down in that particular day, we've done it so much that it kind of stays with us in the mindfulness and the consciousness goes through. We know when we're present and we know when maybe we're distracted or bored or tired or angry or all the spectrum of feelings, you know, that we feel. Part of that though is you, you, once you have a peek behind the veil, man, you can't forget what you saw. That too. That too. I remember some specific moments that we had sitting in the park, different things. Yeah, on the water, on the yeah, water. Yeah, you, you remember that uh, time when you were you I, know, very, sitting next very to you. profoundly. <laughs> before you arrived, I had a moment, and I couldn't yeah, yeah, wait yeah, yeah. to share it with you. So to, and let's, it feel, was, let's people, people people in with that a little bit. Okay, so yeah. So, so we used to. Go ahead, you you want to tell them? 
Uh, well, so we practiced uh, Tai Chi and Kung Fu uh, on the Riverwalk uh, in Carsville, Tennessee, uh, early in the morning, like 7 a.m., where there wasn't a lot of traffic or any people, and the, the, the earth was just waking up, if you will, and the, it was very serene, and, and, and it was quiet and easy to become one with the practice, if you will. I mean, like, feel and pay attention mm-hmm. to everything we were doing. Um, prior to Bio leave, uh, being on his way. We had cell phones. Cell phones were early still at the Did time. We like a, yeah, we like, like a 63 yeah, or something like that. Yeah, the flip. Yeah, the flip. Yeah. So, uh, but I was waiting for you to arrive okay. and I sat there because I got there a little earlier than you. Yeah. And I figured, let me practice my meditation. Um, uh-huh. And sitting there in the quietude, and part of it may have been me not waking up, what I felt was an awareness of myself from a third person view. Mm. Like I could see me, uh, but not me like I, like I zapped out of my body and I turned around, but literally like I had a view of myself from outside of myself. And what I mean by that, it was, I didn't see my spirit leave and I could see my arms and I'm looking mm. down at me. It wasn't like that. It was literally like right now, I can't see my own face with my own eyes, right? I have to use a mirror. So it was like looking at my face from another set of eyes. Like okay. I was... Yeah. Like, like I was the air observing this person, if you will. And I felt what I thought was my nose touch my nose. Like right. I, could I remember you telling me this. Like I was like, <laughs> and I felt my forehead touch my forehead. Yeah. And I don't know if that was, I don't know what that phenomena would be called, but yeah, it snapped me out instantly. And yeah. the reason I snapped out of it was because I also saw you in your car. Wow. Pulling in now from where I was so, sitting yeah, and you, yeah, meditating, exactly. That was the funny thing. It was impossible, impossible I, to I see was, you. For everybody to know, I was, I was pulling in, and it was like there was like an embankment that goes down. A yes, bit, a right? layered embankment. There were steps. It progressed down. So my downwards. car was pulling in up here, and then my path to walk down was to walk down the embankment to meet him. So I'm just like, oh, okay, Roz is sitting there. He looks like he might be meditating or whatever, you know. I'm doing my normal, right, you know, my routine. I'm putting my stuff in the car or whatever, getting stuff out. Then I go down. <laughs> and I can't remember if you had already come out of that at the time or I think I saw you still in the state and I kind of like waited a minute or two or a little while. I, I saw, I came out of it before you came down. Okay. Because yes. when you okay. came down the steps, I was literally just about to get up and run and tell you, okay. I was going to go up there and wait for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I saw you already on the steps, it was even more profound because it, it was, it was impacting because it was like, wait a minute. I saw him get out of his car. Wow. And now he's on the steps, which means I really saw him get out of his car. Basically, for those who don't kind of like <laughs> let's let's use let's use a, let's use psychological terms. Like let's Okay, use, go like, ahead, like please. Maybe your basically the subconscious mind is a is the energetic field, let's just say, that connects all of us in our brain and our cerebral frontal brain is our conscious brain. So it's kind of like having a, a, a conscious awareness beyond the, the, the conscious brain that right. allows you to, to tap into the energy, so to say, that's happening at all times in all places. And in that particular case, in the same moment, the same time, it's almost like a, a fuller presence of energy, so to say. 
that's kind of how I perceived it and thought about it. But no, it's, it's so it's amazing. Perfect. You know? it's, it's perfect though. Yeah. Go ahead, please. Finish your statement. And then later, you know, years later, you know, you would hear things like the law of attraction right. or the vibration of secrets. And then later I, I was able to kind of like understand the psychological and the universal process of connecting all these separate things. Um, you hear about like uh, a different martial arts masters who are able to predict attacks and different things like that. And so it all made sense. At the time, it was a little confusing. I was like, I didn't quite get it. I, I thought it was like powerful, but I just didn't know. And then later I started understanding because I had different moments and situations similar. Yeah, so I, I agree. I, I couldn't explain it. And I know we were using the terms of the day. Uh, <laughs> the terms of the day back then. Yes. I mean, because yeah. the language I use now, I know is going to be different to explain yeah, yeah, what yeah. happened. But it is literally one of the most profound experience I, experiences I had ever had. In and the I sense always felt of my honored first thought, that you said that and had that while I was in your presence. I was really glad you were there and I could share it. My, my main thing was I knew I could share it and you would get it. Like I could say yeah, something yeah. that didn't seem like I needed to be locked up in a straitjacket, <laughs> right? Uh, right? But what that did for me was kind of say, and literally, I remember opening my eyes and saying, it's not a myth, mm. you know, not, not knowing yeah. what to do with that. But I said, it's not a myth. And what that means for me is that uh, the higher consciousness that other people had talked about is a possibility for everyone, even someone as lowly as me. Mm. If you have the, the willingness to endure what it takes to get there, you too can experience this thing. And before, now, granted, um, legend has muddied up a lot of the experiences from successful uh, masters in the day. Like they mm -hmm. did things that now went from being defeated two people to being defeated 20, you know, mm -hmm. from doing it in a, in, a, in a lengthy fight to doing it with one punch. So it just changes because people like to emphasize on the, on the legend part to make that master even more dynamic and divine. True. So wanting to stay away from that, I didn't really know what language to use other than the words we did at that time. But now, uh, looking back on it, what I realized was not so much the end experience, but the experience going into it and the fact that I could have experienced it before had the myth not been in the way. What I mean by that is I felt like when I was meditating before you go, that I was drowning. And what that was is I was mm -hmm. allowing myself to separate from my senses. And I had every urge to reconnect with them. You know, like as mm -hmm. the, my, I meditate with my eyes partially open. So as my vision started to blur, I wanted to blink and reestablish my vision. Mm -hmm. And I told myself not to. But when I decided not to, the first thing in my head that started to go was, but you can't see. And I could feel these emotions start to bubble up in me. And I wanted to chase those. And I had to say to myself, don't let it go. Just slip. You'll be okay. Let go of the fear. These are all things restricting you. I just had this mm -hmm. conversation with myself. And before I know it, I had that experience. Now, to anyone who is listening, that experience lasted all of a quick three seconds. Yeah. That's, you know, it's like an it altered didn't last state. forever. Yeah, state, but it was an right? altered state. Yeah. And that's the word I'd use now is an altered yeah, state. Back yeah. then it was, we didn't you know, know something yeah. else. You know, I didn't know. But yeah. how thankful I am, man, to know that the practice is not for nothing mm -hmm. um, and that the rewards from it may not be glowing, you know, like to the surface on everybody, mm -hmm. but it is light, you know. Yes. So there is a luminescence 
and it just doesn't look like Hollywood. But yeah. trust me when I say people can see it, that yeah. it is effective, far-reaching, yeah. and life-changing. So, and, and, and that. that's, I, I guess you could look at it in a way that that's kind of like a cherry on top. If you, yeah. if you do your meditation, your mindfulness, and you just stay in this awareness, and you study, and you, you, know, you, you gain knowledge, wisdom, and understanding about yourself and others in the world and the universe, you might get a couple of these cherries on top that, that lets you know <laughs> your potential and your power. And it's really yeah. like a beginning. Like it's, like, it's like a little treat that the universe gives you. Like, okay. Yeah. Like, that's uh, your peak uh, behind the veil, I was saying. Yeah. That's your peak behind the veil. And once you, once yeah. you see that, I, I kid you not, that you cannot pretend that you didn't see what you saw. Oh, absolutely you, not, And no. you, can, you cannot for the rest of your life going back, go back to be that person that didn't. And it will constantly show up in your life again and again and again. I'll give you one of my own so that people know that this is real and that we brothers are really doing this. So like, uh, you know, that was like around 2001. I don't know if I told you about this one. I was, this was around 2006 or seven. I had already written the book on hip hop. We'd done a lot of stuff in the DC area. I was kind of back in Virginia, kind of retreated a little bit, was working again and just kind of doing some mundane life stuff, just, you know, building the finances up and stuff. So I said, you know what, let me get back and let me really go deeper into my meditation. So the first few times I did, it was just normal. I was trying to push the limit for me at that time on the length of time that I was meditating. And I remember, setting it for like 30 minutes, you know, at that time. And I had been doing it regularly for a little while. I set the time for like 30 minutes. And I don't I, and for some reason, that time, it was just, I don't know, I guess, depending on whatever was in my life, my thoughts, my emotions, it seemed like it was a, a massive struggle. <laughs> like I was just, I don't know, man. And that's the, that's the craziness of it. It's almost like there's this ocean of energy in our lives. And sometimes you can meditate and it's, an hour, you know, 45 minutes or an hour could go by and you don't even feel it. Right. And then another time you meditate for five minutes, it feels like torture. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so this particular time, it was particularly difficult. So I'm just sitting there and sitting there and sitting there and I, and I just wouldn't let go. I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't, I mean, I was, you know, let me just say, I wouldn't give up. I wouldn't just break the meditation. Right, right, right. So I was accepting everything, accepting everything, accepting everything. And then, I don't know, man, it just like, it just, it just seemed like forever. I don't know how long, I do, I do know how long, but it seemed like forever. And then guess what, man? I opened my eyes and it was exactly 30 minutes. Wow. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And this is thinking that I could have been, I, I, thought I, I thought I wasn't even going to make it to 30 minutes. I thought, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know where I was in time. But that's I great, lost though, all sense of all, time. All sense of time, yeah. But time I woke up and came, I came out of it exactly for 30 minutes. That's awesome. So, you know what I mean? Those, those situations, man, um, there's, there's been some others, but that's just one I share. Yeah. You know what I mean? For me, that was my, my most profound, and which was crazy because I had been practicing for a long time. And, mm-hmm. um, but what I think for me is I was holding on to uh, a lot of 
spiritual materialism, um, mm. expectations of okay. what should be happening. And most of that, again, coming from myth, you know, you should start glowing. You should see the light. The wind should move. You'll hear <laughs> the, the trees talking open, to you. The sky should open. The sea should part. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and so you always think you're unaccomplished if that's what you're expecting. And gotcha. like you did, uh, that day, I refused to let go. I just fought through mm-hmm. it. And mm-hmm. uh, I honestly don't know how long I was waiting for you. I know it wasn't mm-hmm. super long. It may have been 30 minutes. I have no idea. Yeah. I just know that I stayed in that state where I felt like I was drowning and my senses were struggling to be relevant and I was ignoring them, that in that instant, I cracked through. Wow. And it was, it was a flash. Like it lasted for a second, it was over. Um, and I never let it go. I've had others, but that one has, yeah. has allowed me to actually have others. And what I mean by that is because I know that it's possible, so I kept mm-hmm. coming back to it. Gotcha. Uh, and what you were saying earlier was this, this, if there was ever a need for anything right now, this would be it. And I, I say that in the sense of knowing that, you know, that, that frustrates a lot of people because they're in their mind, they're thinking we need action. We mm-hmm. don't need meditation. Right. We need changes. We don't need meditation, but meditation is action. Oh yeah. You know, uh, it's, it's yeah. action in the sense that I, uh, if I were to go and speak before Congress or any body of government right now, which person is going there? Am I, her- am I rehearsing only what I want to say or am I making sure that the person saying what I want to say is the right person going before these government bodies? Yes. And that's a meditation thing because I want to yes. be heard, but I want to be clear. Yeah, I we want to get as close to truth as we possibly yeah, can. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what resonates you know what with mean? people. You know, that, and that's, that's why you have to, anyone can speak out of emotion and it doesn't mean that the emotion is invalid, but it's what you say when you're emotional that controls, again, the mathematic equation, the outcome of the impact you want to have. Right. One plus one will always equal two. And it doesn't matter if I'm angry or not, that math doesn't change. Mm -hmm. You know, that's my point that if I can find the combination that reveals the truth, then it doesn't matter what emotion I'm using to work that equation. The truth is going to be revealed. And so I would encourage people, especially those who are out there in the protest fighting for justice and, you know, calling for change that you take a moment, not just to be involved in these political uh, groups that want to go out and, you know, and, and, yell a message but that if you're put in the spotlight given the mic and the opportunity to speak that what doesn't come out of you is just this screaming voice Mm. but someone who has taken the time to realize what it is they want to say so we prep for one thing we don't prep for the other Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, they prep for success. They don't, they don't prep for the possibility of the number of failures that you have to experience to get mm-hmm. to success. Success is a mathematical equation that is the sum result of the number of failures, failures. you've had. Absolutely. It is not. <laughs> it is not. My first time doing this is going to work and everything's going to be perfect because I tried it out on yeah. paper. It's not that. Yes, I wrote it down on paper. I failed. Let me go back and do it. That's why scientists, uh, you know, do studies. (laughs) Right. You know, experiments. And even once they, and experiments, and even once they release uh, release their findings, they go back and still do studies again on what they've already released findings on. Why? Because there's a possibility that they may find out even more as a result of the small success they had, but it was all the failures that got them to that point. So what I'm saying is to people who want, who want, change who want to promote change 
-hmm. take time to know what that means to you, including the sacrifices, because it won't be for free. Right, right. There's going to be a cost to that. And you need to evaluate that so you can prep for that part of it, too. And hopefully the centeredness and the mindfulness can help you endure whatever those costs might be, whatever action that might need to be, whatever changes that might need to be. Um, I was going to ask you, too, about where do you see us now in the evolution like of consciousness? Um, Because, you know, we have the Internet as helping us all connect. And like you said, like, like, for example, Back in our day, when we would watch, like, I remember watching the movie The Matrix, like, around 2000, 2001. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, that was, like, we didn't have, like, tens of dozens of documentaries on consciousness. Right, right. uh, Hours of audio books online. So there's this information overload now of massive opportunity to gain, uh, let's say, stepping stones to consciousness. Because the consciousness, the real consciousness is ever-living and expansive. But the information is there on how to do it. Uh, But then at the same time, because of the control of technology and the Internet and and, uh, the algorithms that want to grab a hold of our lowest emotions and show us the most shocking things and the most deadly and violence and the most things that will make us the most angry, how, where, where do you see us at in terms of consciousness now, in, you know, 20 years later from where we were in 2000 at the turn of the century? You know, <laughs> I, I think now uh, new generation coming onto the stage. Yeah. Uh, there are a group of people who are more consciously aware of other groups, um, yeah. ethnic groups, social groups, um, lifestyle groups. We're, we're more aware of that. So there is a greater deal of consciousness in that sense, uh, mm-hmm. people are wanting to be, you know, more, more inclusive of others, mm-hmm. um, you know, fighting to have other voices heard and people put in positions to represent their, their category. I, I think all of that is, that's, I think it's obvious that that is happening. True, uh, so true. that consciousness, yes. Um, I think what we have to be careful though, is the, there's also the uprising of what's called woke Oh, yeah. yeah. That's dangerous. And let me explain why I say that's dangerous. I'm really definitive on that. Yeah, yeah, break that down for people because I was even, we were talking about how that word came from. Yeah. The word is, okay, so let's let's give people some context. Go ahead, give the background. We have have the the tools to do that. So basically like Erica Badu and the Neo Soul Movement, some of the people that we used to listen to growing up and all of the hip hop, they had music that always had terms and phrases that helped us to uh, kind of stay alert and to keep ourselves to a higher consciousness, right? So Erica Badu used this term woke or, you know, stay woke in one of her songs. I think it was 2012 or eight. I can't remember exactly which song, but it's online. So she used that term. And then I think a few years later, some of the other people in these other critical social theory movements from the universities started to bring that into the vernacular. And then I feel like it's kind of begin to weaponize this term, but you can break it down more on your end, how that's happening. You know? I think what you just said though, yeah. is, was perfect. Like it's, it's a, it's a weapons grade statement now. Yeah. Um, For us, it was just being aware. I mean, it's just like, yeah, well, just, the, the, you know, the sixties, the sixties, the seventies had that, that, 
awakening where they were all woke and free spirits and you know uh-huh. and that was their that was their time when they came into a different state of consciousness and awareness it's not much different now the political scene is the same it's more advanced and technological than it was because that's just with time yeah. but as far as uh the social state of awareness they're trying to bring to everybody that's the same and mm-hmm. I, I ventured even if I don't have the exact date in history that it's it happened before and that's why you had revolutions in different countries and cultures throughout history because they came to these states of awareness mm-hmm. so I don't think that's ever going to happen but my, my main thing is how we use the term woke and that we use it is to say that if you're not a part of my movement you're not you woke, ain't woke. You right, know? Right. right you're you're a sheep you know, basically just following along where what we understand awakening means right. is a different state of evolution altogether. Right. It's not like, you know, they, they have it as a paper thin line of this and yeah. that. Like, okay, if you're not woke, you're that. Yeah. So you're either in the system, a slave to the system or fighting the system. And if you're fighting the system, you're woke. If you're not right. fighting the system, you're not. So, but the fight that the awakenness, the wokeness that you and I are referring to is this fight to overcome one's less than valuable self. Right. You know, or less self. valuable self. The uh-huh. lower self, right. So the higher self is the one that when you awaken, you awaken into your higher self. Trueness, yes. Um, yes. And can it be political? Yeah. Can you, can you join political groups? Yes. But the message, the language, the movement mm. is, is different in itself uh, because of what the end goal is. So rather than rebelling against the system just to tear it down, awareness says if we tear it down, what do we replace it with? Mm. You know? What are, we, what are we trying to establish? What's the end goal? Am I just tearing it down to say I was a part of the group that tore it down? Or are we trying to tear down a, a, a system that prevents people from being them best, their best selves or their best selves? And mm-hmm. what does that look like? So it's a different conversation. And then what do we replace you know? it with? And how do we... What are we replacing it with? Yeah. Demonstrate our best selves that we can all give yeah. equality to. You know, yeah. if, we're, if we're trying to gain equality, but then we're not even equal in our own judgment of ourselves or our well-being, then how can we truly, truly execute the well, equality, you know? We misunderstand equality, too. And we think equality means that I have everything you have mm. and it doesn't. Mm. It means I have every opportunity to acquire Right. The right everybody else has the rights. We all have universally the rights. That's equality. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that because I'm the star football player on the team that you, too, are the star football player on the team. I earn that position. Right. I earn that by outperforming everybody. That's how I got that. You don't get that title if you haven't done those things. Now, if you want those things, do what I did, (laughs) compete against me and earn it. The right is that you get to, you get to try out for the team. The right is if you're on the team, you get to compete with me for this position. That's the right. That's equality. Now telling you, you can't, you know, or allowing you to just be on the team just because you applied. That's not equality. And that doesn't create strength and it doesn't create our competitive human spirit to even go against ourselves. because what's the point? Right. Why, why, why attempt to even be a better version of myself if I can get everything I want and I don't have to. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, so, so in nature, if you remove society as we know it and just look at the animal kingdom, okay, every yeah. animal out there has to fight for its own survival. And by fight, I don't mean literally go to war or have violent interaction with another being. I mean, it's fighting the elements. It has to find food. Mm -hmm. It has to find home. It has to find a mate. You know, mm -hmm. it has to decide if this is a time to fight or fly. It has to do all of those th things, right? Mm -hmm. But that's equality, that everything in nature is given the same chance and everything mm -hmm. doesn't make it. So, so in our, in our woke culture, we, we forget that. We imbalance nature and we prefer this thing of even numbers. And the problem with even numbers is that everybody just becomes mediocre. Mm, because there's no need yeah. to excel and rise above you know yeah. our greatest speakers in the history of man everywhere on the planet have come to certain women too uh i said speaker so i'm safe yeah, <laughs> have yeah, come to service safe, because of the adversities in what was taking place at the time right you know yeah we, we don't yeah. get to we don't get to be great anymore without a struggle mm. and so there has to always be one and i'm not saying let the struggle be by any means. I'm just yeah. saying we need to evaluate what we're saying when we say it so that our words are rightly received and understood. Yeah, and I, I think that uh, without diving too deeply into the political thing, and I, I'm a, consider myself <laughs> oh, a Not to do now, right? <laughs> yeah, and I consider myself a centrist. After looking at everything, man, I, I've researched black conservatives, white conservatives, black liberals, white liberals, independents, people who don't care about politics, uh, anarchists, you know what I mean? So I understand like a lot of different perspectives. And one thing that I see that's a problem is, is that uh, between um, conservatives and liberals, there's this focus on politics and the government as being the only solution to all life problems. And if only we get this particular candidate in this particular office, our whole country is going to be better because of this. Myth, and I think, right? that's and, a I think yeah. <laughs> and I think that's, that's been driving this divide that we've been seeing. And I think it's, it's happened during our lifetimes already, like Democrat versus Republican. It's happening, it's happening now. Yeah, like, Democrats you know, versus Republican. It happened yeah. before us, too. It's been know, so. happening, right? And I think it's just been intensified now. But uh, I do see the problem is, is that when we talk like we're talking, some people might, like when you talk about competitive and stuff like that, people might in, misinterpret the kind of like the black conservative message. But there are black conservatives who don't believe in like crazy uh, candidates who don't respect black people that aren't necessarily voting for particular candidates, you know? And there are black liberals and other people who believe in social welfare, things like that, but they're not communists. And I just feel like there's people who, like, people are not giving enough space and breath to the thoughts that it takes for real democracy, and it's not in the United States, to really work the way it was supposed to. And because all the money and the, uh, the internet and everything is flooding in, people are kind of lost in that. And I think that what we're talking about could help people to, to, to recenter themselves and, and not get lost in that sea of confusion, misinformation, propaganda, and all that. And I don't even have to go into the parties because for me, that's not the most important thing. It's more about, you know, these type of principles. You know? Yeah, we have a lot of power, man. We just, we just, 
have to get back to that realization. There was a time period when before, so technology is always advanced, you know, right, it's always, right. it's always current depending on the time you're in. So uh, during the time of the, the Romans, right, they were the most advanced of the time. So technology yeah. was at an all time high, you know, yeah. and at, then, at that time. Yeah. So we have to think about that now. Um, but they, they used whatever they could at that time to make their life better. But one of the things they had to do was evaluate what that need was. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they would debate about it. They would have healthy, strong debates, and then they would right. come to a conclusion. But there were people that would would come up with with solutions, and and those solutions always had to come down to you know what Hold is the benefit of the. Yeah, sure. Sorry, man. I also got to say. I, okay. All right, man. Continue that thought if you can. <laughs> so what I was saying is, you know, if you look back in ancient times, man, they were always just focused on. Um, what the need was, why they were coming up with the need, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it could have been for political reasons. Uh, it could have been for social reasons, civil reasons, whatever the case were, but their inventions were based on what is the need at the time. Uh, government played a role in that. And it, it was for the survival of the state. When we think now uh, about the survival of the state, we don't take all the same things in consideration that they did. Like, and what I mean by that, for example, is now our survival of the state is solely based on laws. And we think about, is this law fair? Is it not fair? How are we being treated? How are we not being treated? You know, who has the right to do this? Who doesn't have the right, whatever the gender or, or group mm-hmm. is. Not that that's not important, but we are focusing so much on that as if it's the only solution, kind of what you were pointing to. Yeah. Uh, but then the survival of state included that. Plus, you know, what is the health of the, of the, of the township? You know, yeah, because it has, okay. it makes no sense to have laws <laughs> to govern an unhealthy people. <laughs> there you go. So what does our health system look like? You know, yeah. what are our food sources like? You know, what forms of entertainment do we have? And then what they did, which they elected mayors and things like that to kind of control that, is the mayors would take census and de- develop uh, the needs or well, the, the, the fix based on the need at that time. Mm-hmm. You see communities doing that today, which everybody agrees is a good idea, but it's really small. A subdivision has decided that they will have a communal garden where everybody will contribute seeds, everybody contribute fertilizer, everybody contributes time. And as a result, everybody can receive from the bounty. Gotcha. What they've identified was somebody consciously came up with an idea that we could save money and be healthier by investing in each other. And let's keep that here. And on a small scale, we all love it. The problem, and this is the whole point I was getting to, is once it leaves that community, it becomes just a mm. thing that they do. It becomes less important. It doesn't become the seed uh, for our overall systems. It doesn't. Yeah. Do you, what you don't see is like governments are aware of that and they applaud that, but you don't see them saying, hey, from now on, let's make you know, all of our food sources come from community gardens and we'll provide the land and the resources for you all to be able to do that. They, mm. they don't do that. And so I'm not saying that that's the solution. I'm just giving you an example of where there's an opportunity for us to make it more about laws and more about survival than anything. Because to your point, uh, it is not one person that comes into power and that fixes all these problems. Mm. Individuals, 
even at the lowest level, can come together and fix a Absolutely. problem. I've always so, believed so, that, man. And it, it takes a village, right? We say mm-hmm. it takes a village to raise a child, and it does, but it takes a village for each person to survive. And so we <laughs> yeah. should kind of be back at that mindset. But that goes back to what I was, I was going into in the whole meditation thing about being the beacon and shining and fixing yourself, uh, is that people come to you to feed on that. And this is that simple change. And people don't want to hear. Starving, it basically though. goes back to they be be the change you want to see. You want to see in, in the, the world. world. Yeah. And then people Absolutely. don't want to hear that though. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I but they, they come to you. They come to you saying, how can I get some of what you have? Right. right. What seeds do I need to plant to grow yeah. from this garden or dine at that table that you're at? Right. And it just comes down to conscious awareness. And I, I won't say that we will all arrive at the same time or that we all need to use the same method. I'll never say that because that's we're individuals and we're not going to, but I will say that it is free for everybody to do. And it, and the effects of it, which are always positive are undeniable. And through that, we can create the change that we want to see. We leave it to an individual and not to ourselves. So we give our power away. So now that goes into what you were talking about with your, okay, so after the accumulation of all these uh, thoughts and realizations, you're now on an idea you call open mind, open seating. And uh, that, explain that a little bit, changing your mind, but choosing to change your seat. Are you changing your mind and changing your seat or how does that go? the, The view of the world that we have will always depend on the seat that we, we take or where we sit, okay. right? Uh, if, and that's I, the only way I can see China from the United States is how I can see China from the United States. Okay. How I see the United States from China, I'll have to go to China to see. What <laughs> I see from the United States is a United States American view, you right. know? I can't see it any other way because this is where I sit. So it doesn't mean physically that I have to locate. It just means that I have to be willing to understand that there are other perspectives to have. I'm only Mm. as informed as the access to the information I have. Mm. So essentially it's a form of humility by it's, it's a form of humility and restraint that offers us to a way to be more respectful of, of other cultures, countries, nations, states, yeah. cities. Uh, yeah, and I'll, and I'll, by I'll taking be, our I'll, seat and accepting it where it is and then saying, yeah. okay, this so, is what I see, right? Yeah. So the, the, the plight of the, of the black man currently, right? Okay. Is we want fairness to be able to compete. Right. We want fairness to be able to show that we are just as qualified and valuable as every other human being. That's what we want. That perspective is based on the fact that we sit in that skin and live that reality. True, yes. That's the reality we live. So we're going to have a perspective based on that. The people that think that we're whining, that we're asking for things that we already have, uh-huh. that we're asking for things that we can freely go out and get are basing that opinion, that perspective vantage point on the seat that they occupy, you know? Ah, okay. And so that in order for us to truly understand why people think like they do and do what they do and say what they say is to vacate the seat we're sitting in right now and occupy a new seat which means simply to change your mind. 
So mm. why does he think that? Why does she think that? You know, mm. why does she fear me? Right, right. Even why do they fear me? Yeah. Part of that comes down to I look scary. Mm. I misbehave. You know, <laughs> I, I'm a problem to my own community. So it, no it becomes a radical honesty. Out of it. It's you like know? a radical integrity and honesty, transparency. Yeah, well. but th- but on all in all for on all all aspects of that spectrum though, and that means everybody. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm giving a, a black perspective, and here we go. As a, as a middle class uh, black who's not a thug, okay, can I associate with why people might be afraid of one? Yeah. Mm. Now, did I ask why does he prefer to be a thug? Why does he thug to begin with? Because his sur- his survival may depend on that. His environment may say that if you're not one, you're going to die. So where I look at all of his problems, he's looking at what he has to do Mm. to get to the next day. Mm. And so I'm passing judgment only on my outlook where there's the, there's the root of his problem. You know, if he'd stop dressing like that, talking like that. That's what I was going by with the black conservatives versus black liberals and hip hop versus nation of Islam versus everybody, just different perspectives. It's perspective, but our perspective is what we, what what we act and speak from. It's where we behave, you know? Mm -hmm. So what, what, what open mind, open seating is really just getting at is if you're willing to abandon your own prejudices and stereotypes for a moment at a time, not an entire day. And just consider even on paper, why some of the things are what they are. Your answers change. Mm. Like your solutions change. Like what you come up with to resolve the problem changes here. I have, I have three daughters, right? All yeah. Black yeah. Men. Your beautiful daughters but, have grown up. Thank well, you, man. You know, but here's, here's my point though. So yeah. I, I had one of them ask me, would you ever mind if I marry a guy that's not black? And I said, if he's a good man, no, <laughs> right. you know, yeah, as a human that's the truth being, of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In the end, now, and I know everybody doesn't agree with that. So let me say this in the end, if the selections that my daughter has to choose from, is to be with a man that's not of the same race who is a good man or a man who is of the same race who is not a good man, I would always choose the good man. As a father, right? That's, As a father. And, yeah. so, and, that's, and, that's, and that stepped away from being a black man, a black father. Yeah. You know? Now, if she can find that in her own, good for her. If she yeah. can't, <laughs> then take the goodness that you can get because goodness doesn't look like anything like there's no yeah, such thing yeah, yeah, yeah. is white goodness black goodness asian <laughs> goodness you know middle eastern goodness european goodness goodness thank is goodness, goodness. kindness yeah, is yeah. thank goodness kindness is kindness and so we have to come to a place where if we want to create an identity that we don't necessarily have to give a a, a, a greater identity excuse me uh, right. We don't necessarily have to give up our individualism and we don't have to abandon prejudices. We just need to adapt the correct ones. Mm. And that's everything, you know, like, I see are there saying. stereotypes? Yeah. There are, they exist for a reason. And should that stereotype generate some type of precaution in me? It should, it shouldn't form my final decision. Mm-hmm. It should create a precaution in me. You know, yeah. I should have a right to say, Statistically speaking, this is the fact, but let me evaluate. 
You know, mm-hmm. I can do that, uh, but we have to be willing to do that. And that's what the whole concept is. Got you, man. So as far as that goes, are you uh, you're writing a little bit on this? You're kind of fleshing it out. and Yeah, I am. I, I have a, a couple of things. So you always have this whole merch thing, right? So I, I have yeah. some ideas uh, and I, I played with it's It's an it's a, a movie ticket and okay. it says free admission, you know, open mind, open seating, first come, first serve. And then that statement, you know, how you, your view of the world will always depend on where you sit. Um, so you're, you're thinking of creative ways now, just whatever way you can to share that. Imagery uh, first, uh, yes. conversations. Uh, am I writing? Yes, I'm writing. I'm working on a book mostly of affirmations. Uh, the affirmations is asking people what would happen if you thought differently. And that's really all is presenting is what yeah. would happen if we thought differently. Like we've, We've been taught to be okay with our mindset for so long mm. that we, we don't really feel a need to change it. Mm-hmm. But what would happen if you thought differently? Like, and that's, that's it. Uh, and then when I, when I tell you I, I, I am writing it at a preschool school level, I, I am truly <laughs> trying to make it as basic. And the reason I do that is because like we're doing now, there's this natural tendency for us to try to say things uh, in a way that's really far reaching and yeah, dynamic. Yeah. And you, you kind of can't help that because when you feel like you have something to say, you want to be heard. But I yeah. think sometimes because of that platform and because it's so deep and people's education comes to the surface, you lose the people that don't have that. Everybody mm-hmm. can understand the low level of learning. Not yeah, everybody can true. understand the middle or the high. So if you're yeah. speaking in the low level, then you can reach everybody. So, so, yeah. so uh, enlightenment shouldn't be unattainable. You yeah. know? But yeah. if we put it on the top of a mountain, then people who can't climb or are afraid of heights will never go after it. Yeah, so that's the whole point is to how can I, with, with my education, with my experience, subvert portions of the struggle to make it readily available for people. Mm. And so the effort is literally to talk in a way that people read it and it's so simple that they're shocked. And, and it just makes me think about Winnie the Pooh. You know? <laughs> yeah, there's a I book, Dow and the Pooh. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, Dow and the Pooh, but his, his Dow in the, in the day of Piglet. Yeah. But their wisdom was, was unmistakable and they had no ideas that they were being wise. They were just so not complicated Mm. that the truth was always revealed in their statements. I, I have one, two actually, that I'd like to share. One is uh, the sun shines on everything, including poop. <laughs> That's a beautiful you know? one for the show. That's nice. I like that. But think about it. The sun yeah, shines on everything, shines including on everything. poop. Is that true? Absolutely. Is that true? Everything. Absolutely. And you can go out in the world and observe it. The other part yeah. of it is poop, you know, excuse my language since you use it, I'll use it. Shit is yeah. undesirable. It's the part that we kicked out. But that also means that the sun can shine on those people too. Mm. They can come into enlightenment. So if you feel as a person that you're not worth anything or you don't have anything to contribute, guess what? There is a time that you can, and it happens daily. Yeah. Every day it's going to shine on you too. So don't miss the opportunity. And also don't think that your time has passed. It's never passed. Mm-hmm. Since, since it's going to happen daily, it's, it's coming. It'll be here again. Every day. So that's one. And the other one is uh, every holy person that has ever existed since the beginning of time 
at one, one moment or another, whether in public or in private, has farted. <laughs> that's pretty good <laughs> well so what I, what I was hoping by that statement man is to take the mysticism off of things yeah, because we, we also human. stop struggling for the truth when we think it's so mystic divine that it's out of reach that I can never attain it and, and if I can't attain it what's the point of trying to attain it you know mm-hmm. or because it's over my head, only bio or only raw can understand it. Mm. So I'll just wait to get it from them, you know? Yeah. But we have to be intelligent enough to seek what the wise man is seeking. Mm-hmm. So we don't seek him. We seek that. Because if he's wiser than me and he's seeking something, why am I seeking him? I should be <laughs> seeking what he's seeking. Because he just told me it's, it's valuable. Hey, that's the finger so that's, pointing at the moon. If you focus on the That's finger, it. you miss all the heavenly glory. You miss them. Is that it? Yeah, Bruce Lee, right there. Boom. Yeah, I got you. you. Know? <laughs> but that's my yeah. point. No, but that's that, real, though, man, uh, it, to be able to simplify. Go ahead. Yeah, take the mysticism off of it, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that it – so the reason and, – and I want to be clear with people. Um, the reason there's a, so much mysticism and myth and legend around a lot of things, even our, our holy persons, and I – I say that understanding that might touch some people, but the reason there is so much of that is because it was a time before now. Mm. They use the most advanced understanding and technology that they had available to answer those questions. Mm -hmm. Some of it came down to can't just explain it. So it must be more divine than us. It was Mm. just that simple. Yeah. What has happened is because we continue to culturally teach that there is no need for us, or we've accepted there is no need for us to go beyond. I can guarantee you that thunder, which was Thor pounding his hammer on the anvil, would not have existed if the internet did and the sciences to explain it. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. But the reason we know now that Thor was a legend and a myth. It's because we've had ways to disprove it. But mm-hmm. back then, when that didn't exist, it was, the, it was the best answer we could come up with. So where we are now mm-hmm. is exactly that, that I challenge people to look past what was unexplainable then and accept that it may be explainable now mm-hmm. if we go and do the work to find out. Wow. You know? Because we could actually research and uncover some things that are a little more factual, some things were a little more yeah. mythological, you know? Right. And, and, and that, that's the, the earthquake, man, was, yeah. was uh, an earthquake was not plates shifting and moving. There was no tectonics. It was the gods are angry. They deserve a, a blood mm. sacrifice. So some virgin or some goat got slaughtered because they didn't know what an earthquake was. Wow. Yeah. You know, that's actually my point, though, is, is mm. we, we have to, we have to, not continue to live in that far in, in our mental state unnecessarily. We have to, we have to understand we've advanced in the world of science, which allows us to let go of some of that unnecessary uh, load to free ourselves up to, to find new truths about ourselves. Wow, man. Well, Hey, you know, it's been, a, been a while we've been conversing and uh, it's been great it talking been, to man. you, man. You too, um, bro. Thank you so much. Yeah. I think we've covered it for, for now. Right. 
You know, <laughs> we covered a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Two we'll hours, see. man. I, I'm sorry yeah. about that. You know how it is when we get to talking, though. So no, 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 no. Fifteen like, minute I, conversation. I, I wanted this podcast to be long format, and I'll have different parts and everything out. But right. I wanted people to have the time to listen to uh, the way that you know we talk and discuss things. They've had a snapshot in the conversations that we've been having over 20 years like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and still you know, have, which I, I think, which I love. Yeah, yeah, man. And I just feel like, you know, it's beneficial for us to show that right now in these times to either inspire other people who have similar conversations to do the same or inspire others who may not have these conversations to start having these conversations uh, with people that you, you know, love and respect. Because that's what it's about, man. That's the only way that we can improve as humanity and how we can better our nations, better our world. Yeah, man. You know, better our neighborhoods, communities. Um, you know, the bigger problems in terms of political and all that, it, it will pan out. But if we don't take care of ourselves, like you said, and be kind to one another and figure out how to embark upon the self-mastery path, it's going to be, you know, that much harder. So we but thank you, that, you that's it, though. Yeah. That's that's it. Yeah. Maybe. So yes, thank you, thank you. I, no. when, when I just wanted, and that last thing you said is, yeah. if people wonder what it is they can do, mm-hmm. that's it. Like I know, yeah. uh, you know, public and uh, involvement, uh, uh, you know, community services, those things need to happen. Mm-hmm. But everybody's not going to do those, mm-hmm. which is fine. Like every tree doesn't bear fruit, but they all have branches and make oxygen, right? right. Every tree out there makes oxygen. Some just make oxygen and fruit. So, so essentially, we all can do something, even if we don't do the same thing, mm-hmm. right? If you don't know what to do mm-hmm. and you want to do something, simply practice being a better person. Oh, man, that's so good. That, there's nothing else <laughs> more impactful. And, and let's, let's break that down before that. we go. Let's break that down before okay. we go. Define better person, you know, mentally, physically, spiritually, relationally, financially, so that people can understand what that self-improvement means to be a better person. So it it all comes down to being honest with yourself and not honest like, you know, saying things about what your vices are. Those things come later and they are important, Mm -hmm. but it's simply by bringing yourself back and accepting that you don't know everything, Mm -hmm. that, that others are viewing the world from their perspective. Mm-hmm. And that where they are right now is an accumulation of their experiences. And so they don't all see it like you do. So mm-hmm. exercise patience. If you mm-hmm. exercise patience, uh, that opens up room for dialogue. And if you're, if, you're, if you're open to dialogue, you understand that you're going to get some things that are new to you, you've never heard, that give you the chance to evaluate how you think. That may even change the way you think or solidify how you think further. But you have to be you have to be willing to hear that. So that's the first thing. Uh, the second part I would say is do the work. And by mm. do the work, it means spend time by yourself in a distraction free zone and drive yourself crazy. <laughs> uh, that drive yourself crazy. I mean, is as much as you want to get up and walk away and escape it. Don't uh, face because yourself, you are very solitude, face yourself, stillness. face yourself. Yeah. All of that, because we can very easily destroy uh, another person, uh, their thoughts, their ideas, their, their work, you know, whatever they've built, we can destroy that. Um, but we won't take on ourselves. And we call it courage when we face death, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Because here's a person who's willing to sacrifice themselves for the greater cause. So we should all exemplify that, that same courage internally. 
where we're willing to face the death of our ego, our current self, you know, so that the, so that the victor can be the true self. And mm. that, that takes some work. So I say, lock yourself away for five minutes at a time, one minute at a time, mm-hmm. go to battle with yourself and that, that do the work on yeah. that. Um, the next would be, um, to let go of the spiritual materialism, mm. which means that, um, what you, the titles that you've acquired, the accomplishments that you've acquired, uh, the things you think, you know, hold lightly <laughs> because they matter for the moment, but they yeah. won't matter later. And if you hold on to them too tightly, one, they prevent growth, but two, they create a sense of regret uh, mm-hmm. that could prevent growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also put you in a position where it can ruin your next witness. Like mm-hmm. you're unable to talk to people because you can't let go of something necessary to be able to talk to people. And I hope that makes sense. No, that makes um, sense. And that goes into uh, relationally with your family, friends, romantic yeah, relationships, absolutely. Absolutely. business relationships. So, I, and I can, I can, and I know I said we were going to go, but I can speak to that like in like no, two but seconds. We're, we're, I was we're talking af- about that being a better person. So like, yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, I was, I was that. afraid to let go of my, my religious, and spiritual teaching that my parents had brought me up with. I'm the only mm-hmm. one in my family immediately that I can think of that uh-huh. thinks like I do. My cousins don't think this way. My parents don't think that way. They weren't raised that That's way. That's why I was crazy when I met you. Was like, I, I was like, oh, meet your family and everybody was different. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't like that. And, and, <laughs> but I, I had to, and, and, and that came to surface. Um, yeah. But I had to be okay with being different. Uh, I had to be okay with understanding that I was on a journey that they weren't on. Not that they may never be on it. They may be. They're just not on it now. And, and they may never enter it or they may enter it later. And if they do, I'll be perfect to have that conversation because I've already gone through it. But I, my key thing was the, the courage to be able to embark on it own, but on my own, but also understand that regardless of how much I explained to myself to them, that some people just don't get it right now. Not that they never get it. They just don't get it right now. And since they don't get it right now, I can't hold on to that. I still have to keep moving. So I continue to love them. um, And we keep going. Ironically, Mm -hmm. we don't even talk about those things anymore. Uh, But when we do, no one has ever challenged my perspective as wrong, but more so that's interesting. I'll have to think about that, you know, and we, and we just keep going on in the conversation. So. Yeah. Relationship wise, though, it's the same thing. It doesn't really change because Amen. even the person you love and are with, you hope they understand you and want to come with you and are open to your growth and development. But you have to understand that they won't be giving the advice what that means that you need to do in your relationship. That's that's not my position. Mm-hmm. But you can anticipate that that's a possibility. And you have to, again, be brave enough to continue to find your path despite, you know. Because you right. live your life, they don't. You live it with them, but you are not them. So you're in a mm-hmm. house together. You build that house together, and you hope to be together. But your change is your own. If mm. you're in sync, they change with you. If you're out of sync, they don't. It doesn't not. mean they never will. It may mean that they need conversations or lessons, um, but you just still have to understand that even if they don't, you don't stop 
your growth. You you keep growing. So that's mm-hmm. it. Then, I'll end on that because okay. I know we we'll just keep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. So that that's what it is, man. Just uh, hopefully everybody out there gained a lot from this. Becoming a better person. I did. Thank you. Becoming a better better version of ourselves. Even we every today, day having this conversation has allowed ourselves an opportunity to learn something and and be that much better. So my Same brother Roz, man. man, long time. Man, uh, let's let's continue doing what we do. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Thank you so much, bro. Appreciate you. All right, brother. All right. Take care, man. Thanks for joining us this week on Sun Chase and Success. Make sure to visit our blog at www.olorunbooks.com slash blog. Again, that's O-L-O-R-U-N books.com slash blog. You can also subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of your favorite platforms, or via RSS so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on your preferred platform. Or you can simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out too. If you like this show, you might want to check out Bio's ebook, Secrets of Success Under the Sun. It's available at olorunbooks.com success. Subscribe to our email list to have it delivered right to your inbox. Until next time, Sun Chasers. Cheers to your success.